Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, all my future paleontologists. How are my favorite, favorite people in the world doing? I hope you are all doing well. I want you to know that we are now heard in over 65 different countries across the world. And we've had something like 17 or 18,000 different people download our podcast. So I'm so glad you are enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of great comments from you and and nice emails. And I'm so happy that you all are enjoying this podcast because I really have a great time doing it and I'm having all kinds of fun. So, so first I want to send a couple of shout outs, actually a lot of them. This first one goes out to a young man who I get to uh, do a private lesson for he and his buddies on his birthday. That is Rayhan. Rayhan, I'm looking forward to doing your birthday. He lives in Redwood City, California, and I'll be doing his birthday lesson this month. So looking forward to it, buddy. Very, Really looking forward to it. And I'm glad you like and listen to the show. Next, uh, a little shout out to the little fossil hunter, a friend of mine who, if you are on Facebook, you can look up the little fossil hunter and you can see how she's collecting fossils and studying them. And she sent me a couple of pictures of of really cool little bones. Now, I think they're little mammal or maybe even little reptile bones, but I couldn't tell for certain, but they looked to be, they're from a Cretaceous time period, so they look to be mammal or reptile. But anyway, I thought that was kind of cool, so I wanted to give the little fossil hunter a shout out. And now this next, all these next shout outs goes out to schools or to groups where I have uh, done a performance or I'm going to do one today or tomorrow. So let's start. First one goes out to North Point Elementary in Houston, Texas. I had the opportunity to do an evening presentation for them the other day during their PTA meeting, and I enjoyed it a lot. Next, uh, in about, actually in an hour from now, I'm doing a presentation for West Bank Library in Austin, Texas. This makes my, gosh, I don't know, maybe the sixth or seventh one. I, I enjoy this so much. I get to do these uh, these really fun um, uh, presentations for them, and they've had me do so many different uh, topics. So really looking forward to that because I've become such friends with all of them, and their librarian is just – the librarian and all the people that work there are just great. Okay, tomorrow I'm speaking or doing a virtual lesson for Hart Elementary in Lucas, Texas. Now, I've already done their older students, I think, last week or week before last. So now I think I'm doing their younger students tomorrow morning. Then I'm speaking for these students at Franklin Elementary in San Diego, California. Then Virial Elementary in San Antonio, Texas. Then Freedom 7 Elementary in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Then Tally Elementary in Frisco, Texas. And finally, I think Friday, I wrap it up by speaking to the students at Miller Elementary 
in Arlington, Texas. So a shout out to all of those groups who I have either spoken to or am getting ready to speak to. And, you know, if you would like a a little shout out, if there's something you would like to, if you just like to hear your name, the way to do that is to go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of that group. It's totally free, but go to Dinosaur George Kids and get your parents if you're too young to write yourself. Of course, you got to have their permission to join the group anyway. You can't just you can't just go and join the group. That's not safe. But get your parents if they would like to join the group. And then uh, I'll give you a little shout out and just say hi to you. All right. Uh, now, all of those lessons that I'm doing, like I said, we do virtual lessons all over the world. I've done schools in South America. I've done schools in Germany. I've done schools in England. I've done schools all over North America. Um, so, uh, and and I'm getting ready to do schools, I think, in uh, Australia. I believe I'm doing an elementary school in Australia. So if you would like for me to speak to your school or your group, or uh, if you just want your own private lesson, I, I hope you'll consider bringing me in because I enjoy doing those very much. Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at dinosaurgeorge.com. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Prepare yourself. You are about to learn about one of, if not the, largest raptors that ever lived on earth utah raptor now this thing is deadly when people ask me people ask me all the time what is the most dangerous dinosaur and they always expect me to say tyrannosaurus rex and tyrannosaurus rex was a dangerous dinosaur but in my opinion pound for pound there was nothing as deadly as a Utah Raptor. This dinosaur takes all of the best weaponry and all of the things that would make it deadly and combine it into one machine of a dinosaur. Utah Raptor is big. It's estimated to be about seven meters long. That's 23 feet. It's estimated to weigh about 500 kilograms, that's 1,100 pounds. Now, I say estimate because um, it's first, uh, well, like with all dinosaurs, when they're first found, it's rare to find the complete dinosaur. You just That just doesn't happen very much. doesn't matter what you see on TV. Complete dinosaurs are super, super rare. And so that means that paleontologists have to guess at how long some of the missing bones were. They sometimes have to guess how many bones are missing. They may have to guess how big the animal's head is. All of these things 
makes it difficult. Now, in 2016, a paleontologist using a little more evidence reevaluated what what they believe the size is. And their reevaluated size is 4.65 meters or 15, a little over 15 feet long. And that would be 1.5 meters tall, or that's almost five feet tall at the hips. So when you look at it, the reason why we measure to the hips is because the dinosaur doesn't stand straight up and down. So the hips are usually about the same height as the head. So when we measure to the hips, that's because these dinosaurs are long. They're not standing straight up. Their tail isn't touching the ground and their head isn't sticking up in the air. Their bodies are straight. They are balanced. Their tail is on one side of the hips and their front side is on the other and they are balanced. So their head is held about the same height when they're walking or running as their hips. So it's quite, and and they also estimated that it was only 280 kilograms and that's 620 pounds. So on the heavy side, it may have weighed over a thousand pounds. On the light side, it weighed 600, a little over 600 pounds. But it's still a big animal. Now, it doesn't mean these new dimensions are are any more accurate than the other. Well, let me take that back. Since there's new fossils being found, these new estimates may be a little more accurate, but it doesn't mean they're guaranteed. Whatever the case, this is a big, big raptor. Now, for those of you that may not know, the word raptor is the common term that we use to describe this group of dinosaurs who all have similar features. They have three claws on their hands. They have a curved claw on their foot. These are some of the features that fit into this family. Now, it's better to call them dromaeosaurs. It's better to call them dromaeosaurs, I think, than raptor. Because raptor also means bird of prey. An eagle is a raptor. An owl is a raptor. A hawk is a raptor. So when we call these dinosaurs raptors, that can be a little confusing because, well, is it a, is it a 23 or 7 meter long eagle? No, no. So I use the word raptor because it's what all young people understand. But a scientific term that can be applied to these dinosaurs is dromaeosaur. So you can call them dromaeosaur. Um, I think also maniraptor is another term that is used to describe these dinosaurs, but I like dromaeosaur the best. So I'm going to call it a raptor because that's the term everybody uses. But I just want you all to know that dromaeosaur is a better description than raptor. Utah raptor is, of course, how come they didn't name him Utah dromaeosaur? Uh, Because it's too hard to spell. (laughs) No, no, there's nothing wrong with using the word raptor. There's nothing wrong with that. I just want you all to know that the term raptor is also used to describe meat eating birds. And yes, birds are dinosaurs, but it can become confusing. So now Utah raptor is, of course, it's, it's found in Utah, but it probably lived all over Western North America. I suspect it had a big range because it's a pretty big dinosaur and it seems to be very efficient. And so there was probably a bunch, but I think it's mostly, I believe at this point, only found specifically found in Utah. And it could be that that's the only place it lived, but that's where it gets its name. 
Now, it lived during the early Cretaceous period. That was sort of between 130 to 125 million years ago. By the way, for all of you, sometimes in books, you will see the letters M-Y-A after the dates. It will say 130 to 125 M-Y-A. If you ever see those letters, those letters stand for millions of years ago. Million years ago. So 130 to 125 million years ago. Not millions of years ago. Million years ago. That's what MYA stands for. If you ever see it, that's what it stands for. Utah Raptor is a biped. We talked about that in the last podcast, the difference between a quadruped and a biped. Hey, something I forgot to mention in the in the Dimetrodon episode I did earlier this week or, or late last week. Do you know what I forgot to mention of all the information I gave you? I never said if it was a carnivore or an herbivore or an omnivore. I can't believe I left that out. Dimetrodon was a carnivore. It probably spent a lot of its time in or around the water. It was probably good at catching fish. It could eat any other animal that existed at that time. But I never even mentioned what it ate. Sorry to interrupt our Utah Raptor lesson. But you guys go back and listen to the Dimetrodon lesson. And you listen to it and you tell me if I ever tell you what it eats. I think I told you it had sharp teeth. I didn't mention it has claws on all of its feet. I left out so much stuff. You know what I did? When I prepare for these, I have pieces of paper with my notes of things I want to talk about. I lost an entire piece of paper with all my notes. So as I'm going down the let the the paper, I'm not paying attention to to what should have been there. So I left out that they have big claws on their hands and feet. It has those big massive teeth and it is a carnivore. All right, let's get back to Utah Raptor. So Utah Raptor is a biped. It's an animal that walks around on two legs. Quadruped means it walks on four. Semi-biped would mean it walks on two legs sometimes. Semi-quadruped would mean it walks on four legs sometimes. But this is a biped, walks on two legs. Its name means the Utah thief or Utah robber. In Latin, the word raptor means thief or robber. And that's why it's confusing. Sometimes when you see velociraptor, it says a speedy thief. And other times it says speedy robber. That's because you can translate the word raptor differently based on how you translate Latin to English. So Utah raptor means Utah thief or Utah robber. It is a carnivore. Don't let me leave that part out. It's a carnivore. What did it eat? Literally anything it's in, in within its environment. It could attack small dinosaurs, medium-sized dinosaurs, large dinosaurs, giant dinosaurs, pterosaurs, turtles, crocodiles. Anything that was in this thing's domain, it would attack. But let me tell you this. This is a guess. This is a theory, a hypothesis. I don't believe it tried to catch and eat little pterosaurs because I believe that little pterosaurs would have landed on this dinosaur to pick off the parasites on it, like ticks and chiggers and little things like that. 
In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah Raptor may have opened up its mouth and let the little pterosaurs go inside the mouth to pick off and clean meat between its teeth. Meat that would rot. We see that with birds today. There are birds today that walk into the mouth of a crocodile and pick out the little pieces of meat and dead skin. They clean it. I suspect that pterosaurs would have done the same thing. Now, it's not going to allow a big pterosaur to land on it because those things would hurt. And I think it would have seen big pterosaurs as a meal, but I don't think it would have attacked little pterosaurs. And you know why else I think little pterosaurs could ride around on their back? For protection. Who's going to attack a little pterosaur if it's riding around on the back of a, of a Utah raptor? Hey, if any of you are artists, and if any of you are members of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club, or if you are a member of the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook page, if you're an artist, I would like for you to draw and draw a Utah Raptor with pterosaurs in its mouth, cleaning its mouth or on its back, cleaning it. If you are an artist, I would love to see your work. Have your parents scan that picture and post it on the Dinosaur George Facebook page. I mean, I'm sorry, the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook group. The Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook. Draw a picture of a Utah Raptor. If you just want to draw a Utah Raptor, I want to see your art. So send me a picture of your Utah Raptors. But if you want to make it super cool, put a pterosaur in its mouth cleaning it. Or you can make it attack a pterosaur if you want. But I want to see your Utah Raptor pictures. Now, I mentioned... The, the dinosaurs that Utah Raptor could eat. Look, this, this dinosaur lived with a, lot of different pred, with a lot of different herbivores. There were big sauropods. There were notosaurs. Notosaurs are like ankylosaurs, but they don't have a club on their tail. There was iguanodontids. There were other carnivores. And I believe Utah Raptor would have seen other carnivores as potential food. If they could have caught little uh, raptors, they would have eaten them. I think there's a number of ways they hunted because these, these are bigger, heavier raptors. They don't appear to be made for chasing things down like other raptors. Their legs seem to be a little heavier, stockier, which means they're probably not very fast. So they probably relied on ambush. They would hide and attack. And that suggests to me that they may have had spotted or striped skin like a leopard or a cheetah or a, or a tiger. So if you're going to draw me a picture of a Utah Raptor, I think you ought to put some stripes on it. Because if it's going to hide and ambush, it wants to be camouflaged. So it must have different camouflage. It doesn't have to be bright colors like those animals. It can be green. I mean, look at some of the lizards that have the splotchy color. Look at, look at snakes. So apply some really cool colors to it, whatever you do. But I think it probably was an ambush predator, but it certainly had the weapons to do a lot of damage. And let's talk about them. Let's talk about their hands. On each hand, they have three claws. These claws are curved. Now, scientists studied these claws and looked closely at them, and it appeared that their claws are better made for cutting than hanging on. I've said before that I believe raptors use their hands to hold on to the prey. 
not to tear it up, but to hold on to it while they kick with their foot. But it appears that Utah Raptors claws are better for cutting. But it's so much bigger, I can understand why. It's such a big raptor, I don't think it could hold on with its hands because its body would weigh too much. Little raptors could hold on and kick, but Utah Raptor may be coming in and slashing with its hands and its feet. So it had three claws on each hand. And if you ever see a picture of a Utah Raptor skeleton and you see the hand, those claws don't really look as dangerous as they were because when the animal dies... There was something called keratin that covered the fingers, that covered the claws. It's their fingernail. You and I have fingernails made of keratin. When Utah raptor or when dinosaurs die, the keratin decomposes. And all that's left behind is the the finger, the claw that was under the sharp nail. The claw isn't the sharp part. It's the nail. So their claws would have had keratin covering. Now, those are the claws on the hand. Let's talk about the claw on the foot. This thing is estimated to be 22 centimeters long. That's 8.7 inches long. And when you add the keratin covering, it's, it's, it's thought to be 24 centimeters long. And that means nine, almost nine and a half inches long. That claw on that foot is its most incredible weapon. All members of the raptor group, the dromaeosaurs, have that claw on their foot. And that's what makes them different from all other dinosaurs. Their foot is their number one weapon. And that claw on that foot was big. When they walk, only two toes point down and touch the ground. That third claw, that that inside toe, always points up when it's walking. It does not want it to touch the ground because it wants it to stay sharp. But when they attack, they can rush in, they can curl down their two toes, or they could bring that one forward, and that becomes their ultimate weapon. They are designed for slash and dash. Run in, shred you with your with their claws, cut you jump off and run off and let you slowly get weaker and weaker from blood loss. And then they come back in and launch in another attack over and over and over. And I think they are pack hunters for two reasons, because of their size and because the evidence suggests it. They found a big block with seven different Utah Raptors all in it side by side that had died together. Four of them were juveniles. That means you've got adults and juvies hunting together. That's more like what you would expect from a pack of animals. You are hunting together. The juveniles are probably faster than the adults. So you use the little ones to chase down the dinosaur and wear them out. The big adults are just sitting around going, all right, you little guys, you go out there and run around until they're exhausted. And then we'll come out and finish them off. Or, run out there, get behind them, and drive them towards us. They're running away from you. They're running right towards us. That's the benefit of being in a pack. Because it appears that Utah Raptor is an ambush hunter, that would be the perfect way to catch your food. Let the little ones chase them down. Let the big ones come in with the dangerous slash and dash attack. 
run in, jump, kick, cut, slash, bite, rip, scatter. And the poor herbivores standing there going, what just happened? I think a tornado just hit me. And then the next thing you know, they all return to do it again and again until you finally cannot fight back. This is, this is why I say this is such a dangerous dinosaur. Utah Raptor is an amazing dinosaur. And something else, by the way, that has changed with Utah Raptor as more discoveries are being made. And that is the skull. What they believe now is that if you look at the skull of a Utah Raptor, like the old version, the lower jaw it's just kind of the teeth just go straight up like you would expect, like sort of like what a T-Rex looks like. But the new version, they suggest that its lower jaw kind of hung down. So the teeth are kind of pointing straight ahead instead of straight up like all the other teeth. This would mean that when this dinosaur rushes in and grabs you, the teeth in the upper jaw would dig down. The teeth in the lower jaw would dig up, but some of the teeth would go in. This makes for a bigger bite, a deeper wound, a better way to inflict another injury. They're trying to inflict as many injuries so that they can attack, run off. They're not going to stay and fight to the death unless it's a small animal because they're not dumb animals. They're not going to go in and risk being hurt. They could run in and risk being injured. And if you get injured, your life is over if you're a carnivore. So these animals are rushing in, making as many dangerous impacts as they can, and then stepping away. And when I say they slash and dash, I mean they run in, cut you up, dash away. But they don't run far. They just run far enough to sit back and watch you. They're just sitting there watching you. And you're like going, what are they doing? And if you're the herbivore and you charge, they'll run off. But they'll always stay close enough to keep an eye on you. And they're just going to keep following you. Are they feathered? There's a good chance that they were. Because other members of the Dromaeosaur family have been found to have feathers. So it makes sense that they probably would. Now, I do not believe their bodies are covered in feathers. I don't think they look like a bird. I think that if they indeed have feathers, it's probably going to be for display to be either camouflage its body or to attract a mate. So if you are going to do the project I gave you of drawing a Utah Raptor and posting it on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, you might want to put feathers all over yours or maybe you just want to put them on their on the back of their head. But the one place I would not put feathers is on their skull. Because if they are reaching into the carcass of an animal to eat its insides, if they had feathers all over their head, they would get caked in blood. They would become rancid. They would stink. They would get infected. That's why a vulture does not have feathers on its head because it's sticking its head into the guts of, of the animal. and It's eating them. They would be covered with blood and meat. So I would not put the feathers on the sn- at least on the snout. You could put them behind its eye or on top of its head. And finally, is Utah Raptor truly the biggest raptor? Well, there were some other really large raptors. There was a killabator from Asia, 
Dakota Raptor from South Dakota, Austroraptor from Argentina. Now, all three of these dinosaurs, some people believe some are bigger, some think they're all smaller than Utah Raptor. But here's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, a big raptor makes sense, right? That's a super predator. But Utah Raptor is from the early Cretaceous. Achillobator, Dakota Raptor, and Austroraptor are from the late Cretaceous. So what happened between Utah Raptor and these other three? Utah Raptors appear to have gone extinct at the end of the early Cretaceous. So why were there no big raptors through the mid and early? I mean, through the, yeah, through the mid and early in the late Cretaceous. How, where were the, where were the big ones in the mid Cretaceous? You have Utah Raptor in the early and you have those other three at the end. What's happening in between? I fully suspect that they will find another big raptor, and maybe it's going to be Utah Raptor, in the mid-Cretaceous. But the reason why they haven't found one is the mid-Cretaceous, there's not as many places where you can look for fossils from the mid-Cretaceous. There are places you can find more from the early There's lots of places you can find them from the late Cretaceous, but not as many. So not as many dinosaurs are known from the mid Cretaceous. But I will bet you, I will bet you anything that they were there. And it might be our friend, Utah Raptor. All right, let me take a little break. And when we come back, I'll answer some of your questions. Hey, kids. You can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, our first question comes from one of our Patreon members, Gabe. Gabe says, is Utah Raptor as big as Blue from Jurassic World? Yeah, Gabe, it is, actually. Now, when they created the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park series, they didn't know how big raptors could get. They just wanted a big raptor, so they came up with the one they called Velociraptor. Well, all of you know Velociraptor is a very small dinosaur, not big like in the movie. But they, it turned out that once they figured out and once they discovered Utah Raptor, they went, hey, that's kind of close to the one they used in Jurassic World, in Jurassic Park. But yeah, Utah Raptor is, a, is about as big as the one you saw, uh, that you saw with Blue. But the difference is... That raptor's snout is longer, and that's much faster than what a Utah raptor really would have been. 
but the size is pretty close. Okay, here's another Patreon member. This is Henry from New York City. Is Nano Tyrannus's bite as strong as T-Rex's compared to its size? What a good question, Henry. All right, for some of you who may not know what Nano Tyrannus is, this is still remains sort of a, a, a mystery. Some paleontologists think Nano Tyrannus is sort of a miniature version of a Tyrannosaurus rex, and it's its own species. Other paleontologists believe it was a baby Tyrannosaurus rex, or just a small T-Rex. I think we're going to learn more about it now that this dinosaur called Nano Tyrannus has finally been turned over to the science community where they can study it. I think they will announce Nano Tyrannus is indeed its own species of dinosaur, because there's enough differences... There's enough differences, in my opinion, to call it Nano Tyrannus and not Tyrannosaurus Rex. But to your question, yeah, it does appear that Nano Tyrannus's bite compared to its size would be very similar to Tyrannosaurus Rex because whether it is a young T Rex or it's a cousin of T Rex, it still falls within that family. And its teeth appear to be robust enough to put in a lot of power. Now, well, let me say this. I think Tyrannosaurus Rex and adult Tyrannosaurus Rex's bite would be more powerful, even if you even if it was the same size, because their teeth get much more round as they get older and their teeth become much stronger because their jaws become much more developed. But I think Nano Tyrannus's bite would be pretty close. That's a good question. And finally, here's another one of our Patreon members. This is Anderson, age six. How fast could Acrocanthosaurus run? If any of you have not heard about Acrocanthosaurus, I did an episode on Acro. Make sure to look for it in my podcast and listen to it if you haven't already. How fast could an Acro run? You know, Anderson, I would think that maybe 20 miles an hour might be it. Now, that doesn't sound very fast, but that's faster than most of us can run. And when you're as big as an Acrocanthosaurus, that's moving. When you're that big, that's moving, man. So that would be my best guess. Okay, these the next questions, all the rest of these questions came from the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook club or Facebook group. So these are all from the Dinosaur George Jr. So if you don't want to join the Patreon club, you can still submit questions through the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook group. And here it is. Hi, Dinosaur George. My son, Timothy, and daughter, Mary, love your podcast. I'm so glad to hear that. We have all enjoyed learning about dinosaurs to help pass the lockdown time in our home in Ontario, Canada. You have an absolutely beautiful country, by the way, you guys. So Timothy is wondering, what is the largest carnivore that ever lived? Well, there's some debate about that, Timothy. Some people believe it's... um, um, megalodon the giant shark some people believe that may be the largest carnivore that ever lived but here's the tricky one other people believe it's the giant squid uh what is its name architeuthis if you count its long tentacles it is the longest carnivore it's a carnivore so do you count those tentacles i think you do so It may be the giant squid. And finally, here's the last one to confuse things even more. A blue whale eats krill. Krill are little shrimp. 
Therefore, the blue whale is a carnivore. So the blue whale might be the biggest carnivore that ever lived. I hope I completely confused you, Timothy, because I'm totally confused now. (laughs) And then Mary is wondering, what do you think Brachiosaurus did for fun? Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to write to me. Mary, everybody knows Brachiosaurus went bowling. Now, Brachiosaurus would go bowling, but here's the problem, Mary. It would always end up knocking a hole in the roof because it was so tall. And then it had another problem. It was hard to find a bowling ball big enough to fit its thumb in the hole. So Brachiosaurus loved to go bowling, but it always threw gutter balls and it never knocked down a pin. (laughs) Okay, in all honesty, Mary, I'll bet you little Brachiosauruses love playing in the water. You ever seen pictures of baby elephants playing in the water? I'll bet you baby Brachiosauruses played just like other animals jumping around and chasing each other. And I bet you they loved playing in the water. Those are great questions. All right. Here's another question from the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook page. Hi, Dinosaur George. I would like to know if Pteranodon walked on two legs or four because they sort of use their arms to walk in the pictures that I see. Thank you from Zally. Zally, hey. is Are you my Zally? Are you my Patreon, Zali? I don't get to see the actual things. That I, I just see them on paper. Zali, if you're my little Patreon, Zali, how are you? And how's your sister and your mom doing? Um, so, yes, when they walked, they walked on four legs. Their arms, which are their wings, were in the front and the legs in the back. And they walked with their arms and legs out to the side. And the reason why we know this is because they actually found fossilized footprints where they could see how it walked. And when you put their skeleton together, Zali, that's how the bones fit. So their little arms and legs stick out to the side of their body like a reptile. That's one of the reasons why pterosaurs are not dinosaurs, because their legs are sticking out to the side. All right, here's another one. Uh, Alston, age six, asks... Which dinosaur was the fastest runner, swimmer, and flyer? Okay, good questions. Fastest runners, Alston, I believe that the fastest runner would have either been Struthiomimus or Ornithomimus. I think they would have been the fastest, followed by Velociraptor and Dromaeosaurus, that were both raptors. Uh, The best swimmer, that's got to probably be Spinosaurus, Baryonyx, Suchomimus. I think any one of those would have been the fastest swimmers. As for flyers, the fastest flyer would probably be Microraptor, if it actually flew. Some scientists believe it was a glider that only stretched its arms and legs and glided from the tree down to the ground. Other people believe it could have flown. So those would be my best guesses. All right, here's another one. Hey, Dinosaur George, Oscar would like to know, uh, is T-Rex the biggest carnivore of its time? Also, can you make a podcast about Chilantiosaurus? Thanks. Well, hey there, Oscar. Uh, Yes, T-Rex was the biggest carnivore of its time in North America. Absolutely. Uh, I I don't know of any carnivore bigger than Tyrannosaurus rex um, in the late Cretaceous in North America. Dinosuchus, which is a big crocodile, might have been... Close to it, but I still think Rex would have been a little bit bigger. 
So in the late Cretaceous, I do think it's going to be Tyrannosaurus rex. Now, before Tyrannosaurus rex, there was Giganotosaurus, Maposaurus, and and those guys may have been uh, bigger. But I think of its time, yes. And I'll add Chilantiosaurus to my list of uh, possible candidates for the next podcast. And finally, from the Dinosaur George Jr. Facebook group, Hi, Dinosaur George. I have a daughter, Juliet, age three, who was wondering, what is the silliest, funniest dinosaur you know of? Okay, Juliet, that was such a cute question. I answered your question on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. I typed my answer, but I wanted to say your name on a podcast since you were so nice. My answer, the silliest, funniest dinosaur, in my opinion, was Minmi. Minmi is the name of a cute little dinosaur, a little armored dinosaur, looked like a little miniature tank. I think it's the cutest name, therefore I think it's the cutest dinosaur. So that makes it the silliest and the funniest. Okay, the funniest is named You Smell Like a Skunkosaurus. All right, Juliet, I just made that name up. There is no animal named You Smell Like a Skunkosaurus. <laughs> All right, let's get ready to do the Who Would Win. Remember, if you would like to submit a Who Would Win, you have to be a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you know what time it is? Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. It's time to rumble. Let's start with Gabe. Gabe says Stegosaurus versus Triceratops. Nice. Nice one. All right, let's look at Stegosaurus. It's got body armor on its throat. It has those four big, massive spikes on its tail. Its center of gravity is low to the ground, which means it can spin pretty fast. But its only downside is its eyes. Its eyes are relatively small, and it probably could only defend itself by backing up towards the attacker or standing sideways and swinging that tail out towards the attacker. It would be a little difficult. Now let's look at Triceratops. And also, Stegosaurus is the Jurassic period. Triceratops is Cretaceous. The dinosaurs that came along later are probably going to be a little smarter. So Triceratops is going to have advantage with brain power. Next, Triceratops weapons are directly in front of it. 
So all it has to do is charge at you with its head pointing forward, and those weapons are going to hit the target. I believe that Triceratops has too much over poor Stegosaurus. Because Stegosaurus has got to turn its body sideways and swing that tail at you. Triceratops just has to run head on. I'm going to give this fight to Triceratops because I believe that its horns are so long that if it does hit poor Stegosaurus, those horns are going to go deep enough to hit a major internal organ. Fight goes to Triceratops. Henry from New York wants to know... Crylophosaurus versus Nanotyrannus. Well, if Nanotyrannus is its own species, it's got all the points. Nanotyrannus has size. Nanotyrannus has power. Nanotyrannus has weapons, which are its teeth. Crylophosaurus, on the other hand, is a relatively lightly built carnivore. It's still powerful. It's still got big weapons on its hands, and it certainly has sharp teeth. But I don't believe Crylophosaurus was ever meant to be a, an attack predator. I think he's going to take on smaller things, not attack something as big as it was or bigger. It just doesn't seem to be built that way. So the fight is going to go to Nano Tyrannus, who might turn out to just be a young Tyrannosaurus Rex. But regardless... He is my winner. All right. Hey, one of my newest members. This is Anderson. Anderson, I think this is your first one you submitted. So here we go. Acrocanthosaurus versus Carcharodontosaurus versus Giganotosaurus in a three-way death match. Woo. You've got some titans in here. You've got some monsters in here. Giganotosaurus has the size over the other two. Carcharodontosaurus has the weight over the other two. Acrocanthosaurus has the double weapons. Now, both Giganotosaurus and Carcharodontosaurus have big arms with claws, but Acrocanthosaurus seems to be better suited for battle. Now, Carcharodontosaurus and Giganotosaurus are, are all, I mean, these are big dinosaurs. Don't get me wrong, Acro is too. But I believe Acro could take on Giganotosaurus. I just believe he can. He's not nearly as big, but I think he could be faster. I think it, he could be more dangerous. And when you look at the teeth of Giganotosaurus, they're kind of shaped like a knife. But I think Carcharodontosaurus would have advantage over both of these. I think Carcharodontosaurus could take on the winner of an Acro versus Giganoto fight. I think Acro is going to go head first to Giganoto and just attack. He looks at him and goes, look, I got no, nothing to lose here. I'm going in for the kill. And I think he could get enough bites and enough uh, injuries with his claws to finally bring Giganotosaurus down to his knees and then ultimately onto the ground where Acro could bite him on the back of the neck and crack its neck. But that leaves Acro with Carcharodontosaurus. And that's not a good thing, because in my opinion, Carcharodontosaurus is going to win this battle. All right, my buddy Noah sent in Dakota Raptor versus T-Rex. We, we happen to talk about Dakota Raptor being a big raptor. If Dakota Raptor is as big as we suspect it is, I actually believe it would take down the king. 
Now, for all of you that love T-Rex, don't be mad at me. (laughs) But here's why. It would be much quicker, much faster. It would possess the foot claws that would be long enough to go deep enough into the hide to split Tyrannosaurus open. I think if, if Dakota Raptor could pick up enough speed and get enough energy, it could launch itself up onto the side of the T-Rex and pull itself up. And if it gets its claw in between the two ribs of T-Rex, it could slide that claw straight down the side of that dinosaur and split him open. It sounds gross, but that's what I think could happen. All right, my buddy Lorne. Lorne wants to know Sinoceratops versus Styracosaurus. Woo! I don't think we've ever had two uh, Ceratopsians go at it before. This is pretty cool. This is cool. Okay, I believe not much is known about Sinoceratops. I think all they found of Sinoceratops, I believe, I think they only found a couple of the skulls. I think they only found a couple of the skulls. So we don't know that much about Sinoceratops. We don't know that much about it. But we do know a lot about Styracosaurus, and we do know that Styracosaurus absolutely, absolutely has the weapons that could inflict a tremendous injury into this animal. So I am going to give this battle to Styracosaurus. And by the way, Styracosaurus is my favorite Ceratopsian. So if you think I cheated, you might be correct. <laughs> Here's the last one. This comes from my, my buddy, Hennessy. Hennessy wants to know Guanlong versus Ankylosaurus. Now, Guanlong is an early relative of Tyrannosaurus Rex. So Guanlong definitely has some good weapons. Definitely comes with some weapons. But I believe Ankylosaurus is simply too well armored, too well protected. Even if Guanlong can get in and attacks, it's not going to do much damage. I believe Ankylosaurus is just simply going to maneuver itself into a position where it would be able to use that club. And when it uses that club, game over. And that, my friends, is the Who Would Win. Now, let's do an interview with one of our Patreon T-Rex members. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus Club member. All right, I am very happy that I was able to set this one up because this this next Tyrannosaurus member happens to be a very good friend of mine that I met back in 2007 I think when Jurassic Fight Club came out, I think that's when we became friends. This is my buddy. As a matter of fact, I call him little bro because he's like a little brother to me. This is Zach. Zach, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, George. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it was 2007 when you and I first met. 2007, I think, right? 2008. We, we've known each other for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I think it was. I think I think you're right. It may have been 2008 because in 2007, I think Jurassic Fight Club had just come out and you found me, maybe it was Facebook. I think it was Facebook, right? We became friends yeah, yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, I, I, I found you on Facebook, man. It's like, I thought, what the heck? I had you. 
and and see if we could talk sometime down the road. I'll be honest with you, man. The first time I ever talked to you, I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, listen, man, that's really cool. And I certainly appreciate it. So first, let me tell us about you now. Now, where do you live, Zach? Well, I live in a little place called Uniontown, Pennsylvania. It's about an hour, maybe an hour, 10 minutes south of Pittsburgh. If you guys know where Pittsburgh's at. Right. And speaking about Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's an amazing sports town, man. Yeah. Well, you're big into we're, we're, sports, we're, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm big on I'm big on hockey and big on football. I play golf, play hockey when I, whenever I can get back to it. <laughs> right. And now you, you've had to deal with some with some medical issues. I don't want to go into great detail, but uh, those have sort of prevented you from being out there and playing hockey, right? Yeah, it, it has. But, you know, I'm moving one day at a time, trying, trying to live the best life that I can, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If I eventually get back out there, that's great. If not, I'll have memories for a lifetime. That's good. So what? Now I, I realize. Now I'm not a hockey player because I live in San Antonio. So you know we. Well, we, well you almost were when. It yeah. Was on the ice. Hey, listen! I almost called to see if I could borrow your skates. So. <laughs> so what? I, I, I would let you borrow my goalie pads. <laughs> <laughs> so what position do you play in hockey? Is it is it goalie? Oh, I play goalie. Yeah, I played. Uh, I play deck. I play in line. I, I can't skate myself. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm on, I'm on the floor. Right. Uh, uh, it is a lot of fun. Inline's a lot tougher. You're dealing with a puck instead of a ball. It's a lot faster. It hits a lot harder. Right. So you got to wear, I got puck grade gear just to play puck. Really? Man, oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, you see how fast of a sport that is. And of oh, course yeah. you, you love your Steelers. I know that. Oh yeah. I, I love, I love them. It was a sad, what happened to them this year. I got family out in Cleveland. Yeah. Look, 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 they don't watch it this year. The year, the year they don't watch it, their team does good. Right. <laughs> good. Good. Well, tell them to start watching again then. We can't have that. We can't have them do better than Pittsburgh. I've always Absolutely. been a Steeler fan. I've, I've loved the Steelers as well. Did when I was a kid. Mean Joe Green to me was the guy I idolized. I thought he was the greatest person in the history of the world. Yeah. And then you, then you always have the, uh, coca-cola commercial oh yeah yeah and that now we're going back talking about a dinosaur show we are definitely going back in time so let's talk about when in your life you decided you liked dinosaurs in prehistoric life how do you recall how young or how old you're when when did it start for you uh i have two significant moments that kind of separate now there was a there, there's a latest period where i wasn't really interested into uh Dinosaurs. My my initial started off whenever I was like two to three years old. Right. Saw Jurassic Park for the first time. Operated enough. Was never scared of the movie. Nice. Loved how they looked and everything else. Then after Jurassic Park three, I kind of fell off for a little bit after there. You know, kind of just wasn't interested anymore. Maybe preteen years or whatnot. You're interested in other stuff. Right. But right when your show came out, it clicked again. Nice. And I've been hooked ever since. That's cool. And you know what? That's a great point because everybody goes through those times. Like there was a time that space, I was so focused on learning about space. I couldn't believe it. And then that kind of waned. And then uh, World War II, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm I'm 59 years old. Well, 35 technically, but I'm 59 years old. Yeah, yeah. 39, 30, I, I, 39. Sorry, I always can. I can't remember what lie I tell about how old I am. I tell everybody I'm 39 years old. For any of you listening, I've been. Yeah, that, just wait till I turn 39, then we'll be 39 together. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm just waiting on you. I'm just sitting here waiting on you, Zach. Speed it up. 
So, ten years, buddy, ten years. Yeah. So, you know, I had recently started really studying about World War II. So it, it's not unusual for people to kind of go back and forth or have an interest in something. And so I run into a lot of young people that go through that period and then they, they're not as interested and then they get a little older. So obviously, as an adult, you are able to look at things from a totally different perspective. And one of the things I enjoy whenever I get a chance to talk to you is when I talk to you, Zach, and we talk about prehistoric life, it's almost like I can see your brain. You're kind of going back there, but you're looking at things from a from a a modern day perspective. So when we're talking about, like you brought up one time, which I thought was great. I think it was either Gastonia or Ankylosaurus talking about could a dinosaur flip one of those things on their on its back. Um, I mean, part of that also is like you know me. I, I write. I, I I'll explain that a little bit later. Right. Uh, I, I also looked at through a artist type way, like if I felt like, could this be possible to happen? Like, right. And I, and I, and I look for stuff like that. And when I, when I do stuff like that, you know, well, see, that's what I like because one of the things that, that young people have to understand is just because you read something in a book or you saw something on TV or on a video, it doesn't mean that's the only option. That's not the only thing. And that's what I like about you. And that's why I enjoy talking to you because you and I can throw things out that, yeah, that might've worked or meh, that didn't, but Hey, we're yeah, not it, limiting ourselves. It's a, it's, it's a creative ideas. You know, you just throw stuff out there. We talk about it. Think of it work. Think it doesn't work. You know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I don't like when people limit themselves to only what they hear somebody say, because when somebody tells you something about prehistoric life, that is their opinion. And it's certainly, you hope that it's based on fossil evidence, but we don't know. Fossil doesn't tell the whole story. And so you've got to look at modern animals and you've got to look at, you've got to use your own imagination to be able to come up with it. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and one of the things in my bucket bucket list is to meet you at the Carnegie Museum. Oh yeah, and you you've been talk about. Let's talk about the Carnegie Museum. Talk yeah. about how amazing that place is. Oh man, Carnegie is one of the most beautiful museums I've been to. It is, it's incredible. I mean, I got lucky this past year to go. Well, it's still going on. They have a dinosaur armor exhibit, and it's amazing to go walk through that, seeing how things progressed. And they have my favorite herbivore. Little Gaston. Ah, love him, man. And, and, and I think I think that I think the comp the company that actually brought it to Pittsburgh was uh, Gaston's. Yeah, know? Gaston Design. Yeah, they're great. Those yeah, guys are incredible. So, so it, it, it's it's their it's it was them who brought it to uh, Carnegie. Right. And it's only last in Carnegie till like June, July this year. So Gastonia, tell everybody what Gastonia is. I mean, what what does he look like? Uh, Gastonia's a well, on a little bit of a smaller side of a, uh, it's a little tank with spikes on it and then big triangle plates that acts like shears on its tail, you know? Yeah. How cool but, is how, that? Oh, it is so cool. So it's an armored exhibit. So there's Gastonia. Now, did they show any predators around Gastonia or was he by himself? Two Eutoraptors. Oh. And there's three Gastonias. Whoa. That's cool. I, I, wish love... I, could, I, I wish I could remember the other ones, you know, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, those are the ones that stood out. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that the Carnegie is amazing about is that they have 
actual skeletons. Uh, now, they do have replicas, but they also have some of the actual skeletons, which is one of the few places you can go see the real bones. You want to hear something cool about Carnegie? They have Jane in the uh, gift shop. Oh, wow. The Nano Tyrannus or Baby T-Rex, whichever whichever you believe. Whichever you believe. I call yeah. it Nano Tyrannus. People yeah. call it Baby T-Rex. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's six one half dozen the other. We'll, we'll, we'll all find out one day. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and I love that. Yeah. Um, when we were filming in Jurassic Fight Club, we got to go to the Carnegie at night. So I got to go in there when the place was closed and we got to go around and film and I got to look at all the different things. And of course, it was like a, a private little party for me. I, I was like a five, I was like a five-year-old kid. I'm walking around because I'm walking right up to everything. Now, I couldn't walk up and touch the bones because they still had alarms that would go off. Yeah. <laughs> but I love those and I love they have that big Diplodocus or is it a, pat I can't remember. I think it's a Patasaurus with an Allosaurus, which I thought was yeah, just yeah. The coolest thing so I'd cool. ever seen. Uh, they, they have another log net on neck right across from it. Yeah, that's right. And you walk, and you walk, walk a little bit further beyond that. You have the T Rex exhibit. You got two T Rexes. Nice. Yeah, kill the duckbill. Oh, facing off at each other. You know? Yeah, that's cool. You know the thing I think amazes when people see two different specimens of T Rex, whether they're the replicas or the originals, how different each one looks when you look at their skulls. They, they're very distinctively different looking, you know, uh, they weren't these cookie cutter animals. Like when you see an image of a triceratops or you see a replica or, or a fossil, they all kind of look the same, but T-Rexes are different. They each have a, a different face. If that's the right term, they have a different skull. So when you see them, you sometimes go, I mean, you look at them, you go, they're giants, so they must be T-Rex. But then you look at them closer, you're going, no, these are two T-Rexes, but that one looks different. That have, I've got three T-Rexes in my collection, and all three of them look totally different. And, and that just, that's how we could tell them apart from, uh, individually. Yeah, right. That's exactly right, and we, and we absolutely could. The other thing I like about the Carnegie, Carnegie is that they, they also have prehistoric mammals. It's not just dinosaurs. It's yeah. a, it's oh, an yeah. amazing museum. It, it is an amazing museum. Also, they have they have art they have art parts too. Yeah. So, do you get a chance to go? How far away from you are are they? Uh, is the museum? It's about a, it's about an hour. Oh, hour, so yeah, fifteen minutes. So not, not bad. Yeah, I know you don't get to go as much as you'd like, but like I said, one of, one of my bucket lists is to fly up there and meet you and to go to, through that museum together. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll 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 drive a guy about like in new york to come join us <laughs> oh yeah oh listen how cool would it be to invite everybody whoever can make it make it and oh that, just, that that would be that would oh, be a blast that'd be like running out a theater and watching jurassic park again but just <laughs> with people that are all friends wouldn't that would jurassic be. park heck let's just watch the whole series <laughs> yeah yeah no kid can you imagine start to finish man one after the other that is so cool oh so let me ask you are you interested at all in the Godzilla franchise with Godzilla versus Kong? Do you have any interest in that? Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> so what is your feelings about the next one? You, do you have you a preference for who you'd like to see win or what, what do you think? I don't have a preference. I just want the movie to be good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Did you like the you know, last one? Last one was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed King Ghidorah. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I, I find it funny because... The first movie, the first Godzilla, people were complaining that there wasn't enough uh, the monster action, right. and now they're not. They're complaining there wasn't enough human interaction. Make up your mind. Yeah, <laughs> I've never understood people that get mad 
I, I mean, some movies I like, some movies I don't. But I never complain about what I wanted them to be different. Because first of all, it's not going to change it. And second of all, I think some people go in that they're not willing to put their imagination front and center. Like, like I, I made the mistake of going with a friend. Well, he's not, he wasn't that close of a friend. He's a paleontologist who wanted to go see the last Jurassic Park movie when it came out. And I went to the theater with him and he complained during the entire theater. Well, that doesn't happen. That can't happen. And I'm sitting there going, dude, it's a fictional movie about pretend dinosaurs. How can you be, how can you be pointing? That? Throw me nuts. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Okay. As a creative person, if, if you want it to be different, you make it. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking about being a creative person, you're a writer and you've been writing for a long time. You've been writing these, these stories, these skits, these things are so cool. Talk a little bit about what it is that you write and, and sort of how that has changed over the years. Well, it started off, okay, I'm not going to lie. It started off when you start posting pictures. Back when I first became friends with you on Facebook, when you start posting the photos on, on there, like right. the Jurassic Bike Club photos and whatnot, I'd make little captions, you know. Right. Just little things, this, 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 this. And actually, I thought, I was like, man, it's not, not, not too bad. I'm a lot better now than I was back then, but that's beyond the point. And then next time right. I thought, what? Look at that story together. I want to ask this person, this person, this person, this person. I want to create a story. You guys want in. Right. Yes. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Write it out. Bam. And then, and now, it's, it's a longer process that from, from back then to now. My last story, I just got done uh, this past week. I think it was like on Tuesday or right. something like that. Uh, it was a, my werewolf story. My, uh, Two of, my, two of my friends challenged me to make a horror story in Halloween, and I was thinking there, sitting there thinking, you know what? You had too many zombie movies, have too many slasher flicks, too many vampire things. Vamp- the werewolves don't know, don't get uh, that that much that much uh, love around here, and something I can sink my teeth into. Yeah, see nice. what's there. Not yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go and again, 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 ask these people. You want it? You want it? You want it? You want it? And then it's like create that I had to create the backstory. And sometimes, and I'm not I'm not lying about this, a story can for me comes around a uh, an idea. You know, I had a, an idea of a scene, I couldn't get out of my head, and I created a story around that individual scene. Right. And I almost I'm, I'm almost saying this about anyone who who does creative things. Okay. Don't let anyone bring you down. You take criticism with a grain of salt. Enjoy what you do. I write, I write for fun. I never write for money. It wouldn't, if I wrote for money, I would never enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. And you make a great point because for the young listeners who want to write dinosaur stories, your point is right. If somebody who is jealous of your work or somebody that, that thinks they're helping by being real critical about stuff, don't let that bother you. Don't don't let that stop you from doing what you like. Because, you know, you never know. You look at how your writing has changed over the years. Like I said, I've known you since 2007, 2008. Now it's 2021. And you, I read your, your stuff now, and it is worlds apart. And it wasn't bad when you started. But you can see a very clear, there came a moment where you went from putting your ideas down on paper to, to creating an actual story 
with the beginning, ending, middle, and ending, that all wraps things up. And it's you, you're a very good writer, Zach. Well, I want I, you to know. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, George. The big difference from back then to now is all the pre-write stage. You know, I, I, I take a lot more time to plot things out instead of just going straight at it. Right, right. That's a good point. And, and another thing I want to say out there to the people, you know, when, when you're a creative person and creative ideas, you know, we me and you discussed this the other day, you know, I could describe something and it can be totally, and I could describe, I can give you a description and it could be totally different in my head to your head. Right. And don't hail on someone if they see something different. If I say red and black T-Rex, you know, uh, red eyes, about eight tons, you know? Right. What, what, do, what do you visualize there, George? Right. I mean, that's a good point. If you say red and black, does it have a black body with a red head? Does it have red stripes on a black body? Is it heavy? Is it fast? That's the joy of reading. You can you can take your idea. And you, you plug it in. Yeah, right. And your idea, like if you drew yours and I drew yours, they might look and they may look nothing alike. But the fact that you made me think of it is is the most powerful thing in the world. You, you made gotta, me you, think. You got you got to use it while you got it. And right. And, you, and kids, I'm not going. I'm not going to say this, just being honest. As you grow older, you lose your imagination at times. Use it while you got it, and if you keep it as long as as long as you can, to create as many things as you can. You know, it, it is an amazing to see what your brain can do to create these things. Right. Absolutely. That, that is great advice, and that's brilliant. So let's talk about, do you have a favorite prehistoric animal, whether it's dinosaurs, whether it's prehistoric mammal? If you had to choose one animal, could you, and what would it be? Absolutely. Tyrannosaurus rex. Nice. 100%. <laughs> nice. Well, you happen to have a uh, rex tooth. You've got some stuff that in some of our lessons, I've called on you to there. You're holding a big Rex tooth with the root, and then you're holding another tooth from a bigger Rex. Right. That fits. That's so cool. Yeah. During some of the lessons, I've had to call on you to bring some of your stuff in to show them because it's a great tooth. So why do you like T-Rex so much? I blame Jurassic Park, man. You know, the seeing the power of that thing. Yeah. And like I said, I was never afraid, even though. It came through a car. Right, right. Flipped over a car. I was more amazed than yeah. anything else. And then the ending, it, it just, it, I always thought it was one of the coolest dinosaur ever. Yeah. I, I can remember when the first one came out and the first time I saw that thing come through those wires when the power went off, I I literally sat there with my mouth open just going, this is as close to a T-Rex as I think I'm ever going to see. It looked so real. It was so incredibly powerful. I can, I get why you like that thing. Oh, I, I get why anyone that says they like it, why they like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it definitely is. an. It's, it's a force to reckon with. I mean, that, that thing is a force to reckon with. I, I can't imagine anything else in the environment that would have been able to take it on. Now, certainly, Triceratops would have had some weaponry that looks to be designed against T-Rex and T-Rex isn't just going to run up to everything it sees and try to kill it. It's going to, it's oh, no. got more brain power than I think people believe. 
Well, it's a, it's a smart animal, you know, yeah. it's smarter than what I think people give it credit for. Um, you, you talk about things that are built to defend against it. You look at a cow source, but I still personally believe that the T-Rex could take on an source if needed. Yeah. But that's the last thing it wants to go after. I think, I think it's going after the uh, duckbills first. Yeah. That's primary target number one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great point. That's sort of like when people talk about how fast a dinosaur is because they base it on the skeleton and all these measurements, but you can't understand things like adrenaline and the impact adrenaline has. So like, for instance, I saw a study one time where a guy was, was estimating the speed or talking about the speed of a rhinoceros. And he did these tests, test after test after test. And when it got done, one of the interviewers said, well, now at least you know how fast they run. And his answer was, no, now I know how fast they wanted to run. I don't know how fast they can run. I don't know what the situation could be if suddenly that thing had an influx of adrenaline and it needed to kick it up a few notches because all we're doing is driving a Jeep beside it. But it may look at the Jeep and go, look at any minute, I could turn around and knock that thing over. So I'm going to run, but I'm not going to run at top speed. So when people yeah, estimate the speed of things like T-Rex, I'm like, you know what? But nowhere in there can you account for adrenaline because look at what humans can do when we get a rush of adrenaline. We can run faster than we've ever thought we could run. We can do. You ever read those stories about people who literally can pick up a car to get to a child trapped underneath? That's amazing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, can, you, you can never imagine what people could do whenever that a, people, animals, or anything with that adrenaline kicks in. You know? Exactly. So I think your point about T-Rex still having the ability to kill an ankylosaur is valid. But your other point was even more valid, and that is, but that's not the first choice because there's too much that can happen to me. But if that's the only food on the menu and I haven't eaten in five days, I'm eating ankylosaur on the half shell. <laughs> you know, I'm going to eat it. Maybe when I rip them open, there'll be a pearl. How exciting would that be? <laughs> I'm flipping you on your back like a tortoise. Yeah, exactly right. I may break half my teeth, but by gosh, I'm going to eat. That's so cool. So Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, you, you of course, like raptors as well because oh, of their, their ability. I find raptors to be pretty fascinating myself. They're, they're little speed demons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, rap, I mean, raptors, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the things they can do that we can't. We can't fathom. We can't understand. They're the absolutely last thing you want to run into if you went back and passed. Yeah, that's a great point. Because probably some of the bigger ones, like I'm going to say like T-Rex and Allosaurus and whatnot, we're not enough substance for them to want to go after us. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a great point. Listen, they're not going to chase a chicken nugget all day. But <laughs> no. for a raptor, we're way bigger than a chicken nugget. We're a main course. You're a... You're, you're a uh, Play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so tell me a little bit about your family, Zach. Do you have Do you have family members? No, I got two sisters, uh, both older than me. Uh, there, I got a niece and nephew who are still too young to really understand. And I'm waiting for them to grow up a little bit more before I uh, bring them on with the uh, with the group. Right. Right. Uh, I got lots of different family living around, like. Most of my family lives within like a five mile radius. Oh, of each nice. Other. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. So let's finish it by talking about the club, because when we created this Patreon club, 
I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I didn't know. But how do you, I mean, what do you feel about the club? What do you think about the club? It's a, it's a good group of people, George. Uh, we're all, we all get together. There's one thing we may, we all may not agree with what each other says, but we're all respectful to what each other is going to say. Yeah. I mean, and I got, I got to know a lot of good people like, uh, Noah, JW, just to name a few. Right. They're all, they're all a, a good bunch of people. I'm glad to actually see it actually growing. Yeah. Outside of just, just the, the States, you know, you yeah. got like, like last, uh, our last, uh, lesson we got, we had the people from uh, Australia, uh, Australia joining us. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? We're talking about Australian dinosaurs and we've got a family from Australia joining us. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just sent out a message through Patreon. Now, what I'm going to do now, because, you know, we do two lessons each month, one for everybody and then a lesson for the Raptor and T-Rex members. The one I'm going to do for the Raptor and T-Rex members, I am now going to do it twice a month. One really early in the morning U.S. time so that our friends overseas can participate and that one at a regular time. So now to accommodate people because we're growing, we've got people now in in uh, Russia, New Zealand, England, um, I think France. So now to accommodate them, because so, th- some of them can't participate because of the times that we do them. Cause you know, when we're doing our lesson, it's midnight for them. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to actually branch. I'm going to now do that lesson two times. And of course, everybody can join both times if they want. I know. plan on it. <laughs> yeah. So if, you know, if you're available, how cool would that be? Because the cool thing would be that if you do the, 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 you do both of them, then by the time the second one comes around, you've already got all of your questions lined up because you didn't get to answer, uh, ask them in the first place. And so, Absolutely. yeah, so that's going to be cool. And I'm glad that you like the club. And, and I agree with you. We have, we have really good people and we got such a variety of age ranges. So we can talk about really, you know, really detailed stuff with like you and Owen and JW and, and, and like you said, uh, Noah, we can all talk at a very high level, but then instantly we have little ones that can jump in and, you know, we'll change the direction for them. So you'd I, be, you'd be very surprised how smart some of those little ones. Questions uh, are. Listen, I've been shocked a couple of times. There's been a couple of times. I'm like, I think that kid is 25 years old. <laughs> Maybe 39. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my gig. Hey, I'm working that side of the street. Well, man, listen, Zach, I want to tell you again, I'm, I'm so glad we've been friends for so many years and I really appreciate your support and your positivity and everything. Every time you come to a club meeting, you're very courteous. You're very respectful. You're very encouraging to the younger ones. And I really enjoy it a lot. And you are a perfect fit for this club. And I am so glad to have you part of it. And uh, is there anything you want to talk? Because I think we're now heard. I think it's now up to 55 different countries. Now, they may not all speak English, but if they're listening to their pod, or my podcast, they do. So is there anything you would like to say to all of the people all over the world that will hear this podcast? Uh, just treat people with the best you can, man. You know, they're, in, in, this line, in, in this world, we have to treat everyone as we would want them to treat us. You know, that's, I mean, I don't know what else, what else to say, man. It, it, well, we got a great group of people that's awesome being a part of this it's awesome knowing you for as long as i've known you man it's like in, in, in our random uh random conversations you know i i think people if we have people that ever see that they'll look at you as like is that really george yeah 
You know, if, if anybody ever listened to our conversation, they'd be like, how did those guys just go from the Titanic to werewolf conversation in the span of five minutes? Because that's how it's, random this stuff is. And then and, and, and throw Fukushima and Chernobyl in the middle of it. Right. All, all the- exactly right. Well, man, listen, Zach, I, I I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, and, and Thank we certainly, you for having me on. Man. Yeah, and, and we all wish you very well with your health matters. And I know you'll overcome everything. And I know things will get back to normal. But I would just want you to know that myself and everybody, certainly everybody in the club, is all thinking about you. And we're all wishing you the best. And we know you'll be your same crazy self in no time at all. And then I can come up and I can get my... Uh, my goalie lessons from you to demonstrate <laughs> how, why, why somebody would want to stand there and have pucks shot at them at 300 miles an hour is beyond me, but that's who you are. And what can I do about it? Can't do anything about it, man. That's I won't it. For anyone. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. Thank you, man. Well, all right, my friends, thank you so much, Zach, for taking time out to be interviewed. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast, I've got big news for you. On the next podcast that I am going to put out, and it will probably be this weekend, the next podcast, I am going to announce a free virtual lesson for everyone. You will be able to log in to Zoom And I'm going to be giving a free lesson. It may not be Zoom. It may be another program called Crowdcast. I'm not sure yet. But I will give you all the details and the date and the time. And every one of you is invited. If you've ever wanted, now you'll get a chance to see what I look like. Because a lot of you only hear me from my voice. I'm going to be doing a free lesson for everyone. So if you would like to join in, it's either going to be through Zoom or through Crowdcast. I will give you all the details on where to get the information to join. You do not have to be a member of anything. It's totally free. It's just going to be a free lesson for everyone. So that's, I will announce it on my next podcast. So I hope you guys are paying attention and be prepared um, when I get ready to announce that. And that beep tells me it is time to go. So have a great day, everybody. Remember to tell all your friends about our podcast. We're now heard in over 65 different countries all over the world. And I am so proud. So thank you all for joining me. Take care, everybody. And I'll see you soon. Listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.